With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That long ball is going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Lobster Slaughter. Metcalf. Long ball. What a score. Unbelievable. 45 40. Run, William, run. He's got blockers in front. Five. Touchdown. Joshua Cribbs turns disaster into a score. Sight wants it all on this one for Logan, and he is there. Jim Brown with a 30. Jim Brown is going to go in for another touchdown. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Wow. It is Baker Mayfield. I woke up feeling dangerous. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another edition of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Jack McCurry, and joining me as always is my co-host, Anthony Jokey. How you doing, bud? Doing pretty good. Day off from work. Been a nice day to chill, relax, digest some football, uh, prepare for this podcast. So it's been a good day. Yep. Same here. Been a solid day. I had to work, unfortunately, but then went to the gym, had a solid workout, and Now it's time to talk some Browns and get ready for this weekend's game against the Arizona Cardinals. But before we preview them, we're obviously going to hit some topics that are going on with the Browns. As always, there's something going on when it pertains to this team. Uh, First thing we're going to address is a report that came out Wednesday night from the Pro Football Network. And it's uh, Benjamin Albright and Tony Pauline, who are their top two insiders there. Uh, They are reporting that According to their sources, there is a difference of opinion when it comes to the future of Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens. Uh, They are reporting that John Dorsey is believed to be in favor of keeping Kitchens, while on the other hand, owner Jimmy Haslam, who is, uh, and this is quoted, disappointed in the team's performance and would consider a head coaching change especially if Kitchens does not win the remainder of the Browns games. Now, obviously they're at six and seven right now. If they were to win out, they would be nine and seven. It would be the first winning season since 07. Uh, You know, Anthony, when you look at this, can you believe that once again, that there is a tug of war essentially in uh, the front office and in management over uh, the future of this organization? And do you, and secondly, do you think that, it should really matter if they win out these final three games or even win, like say two out of the three and they lose Baltimore that kitchens should come back. Um, no, it's not surprising because it hasn't been any other way for the last 20 years. So uh, when you tell me that, you know, this report came out, I'm not entirely shocked about it. You know, Jimmy Haslam has not been one to stick to his, uh, I shouldn't say that because he because he lasted seemingly forever, but uh, you know he tends to change things up every um, couple years, and uh, I would not be surprised if he ends up winning this tug of war, uh, you know, firing Freddie Kitchens, and if that's the case, I wouldn't be terribly shocked if you know Dorsey's gone too, uh, not winning that 
uh, battle. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves at that point. Um, you know, it, it, it's just uh, the same old story, uh, you know, with this team and with the ownership. And, um, you know, if the Browns do go uh, 9-7, they win these last three games. Or, or even if they go 2-1, and one, they win the two games they're supposed to. Uh, you know, Arizona and uh, Cincinnati the last game of the year and losing to Baltimore. I, look, I, I'm a proponent of running it back. Uh, there's been so much weirdness that has gone on this season. You know, let, let, let's run it back and, but, you know, maybe figure out the offensive coordinator situation and, and the play calling, uh, changing that. But uh, I'm not the uh, thing about, you know, they, they have to win these games to for him to keep his job. If they lose all three, he's probably gone. Um, you know, if they go two and one or one and two or or, or three and oh to close out the year, look, I, I don't know if that's going to determine Freddie's fate, but I think his fate, um, you know, is already sealed with the fact that I, the report says Dorsey's behind them. So you, you would imagine that, um, he'll be back next year uh, unless ownership gets its way. Yeah, I mean, you can't fault Dorsey for supporting Freddie Kitchens. Obviously, that's his hire. That's his guy. And he's not going to bail on him after one season. My only thing is if Dorsey can't see that, you know, the team seems to be undisciplined. There is a lot of drama and controversy surrounding this team. Not saying that's all on Freddie, but, you know, Freddie hasn't been able to exactly reel everybody in and, you know, try to keep things quiet. Like he's let everybody be themselves. And we talked about that in the preseason and and during the summer, he said that he wasn't going to, you know, try to make these players who they weren't going to be. And I think we both said that that it was okay. But now at this point, it seems like he maybe should buckle, try to buckle these guys down. But unfortunately it's too late. My only thing is, you know, if the Haslam's are already considering it, you would have to think that they are doing some back channeling and looking at who they can potentially get. But in that case, if they were to make a coaching change, I would not be shocked if Dorsey either resigns or if he, if Haslam, if Dorsey tells Haslam that he's not going to make a change, if Dorsey shows him the door, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking, but I also think it would be kind of stupid because for as much as Dorsey should be at criticism for what has gone on, especially with how he's shaped the roster, he's still by far probably the best GM we've had since 99. Uh, yeah, he is, you know, you know, the injection of talent that he's added to this team uh, over the last couple of seasons has been very nice, but, you know, there's been uh, some key components that, are absolutely lacking. You know, the offensive line has been a disaster. So, you know, you could argue the, the back end of the secondary too. I know you can't account for injuries and whatnot, but um, at least you're not able to do it all in one off season. So th- there's absolutely fair criticism that should go his way, but he's done more good than bad. And the ultimate um, nail in his coffin could be, him deciding to go with Freddie Kitchens uh, as his head coach. You know, a lot of times when you're a general manager, uh, your hire defines you. And 
when, when he decided to go Freddie Kitchens, you know, that the defines his time here um, with, uh, um, with Dorsey. So um, the other thing that defines him is the, the quarterback that you selected. He selected Baker Mayfield. Thankfully he's had that going for him. Uh, I know Baker struggled, but he is definitely uh, an NFL quarterback. And when you are, when you are able to get that right, that absolutely buys you some time. Um, a lot of times the, the, the second head coach will be the one that determines whether uh, you keep your job or you don't keep your job. So um, that, that could be a situation where, uh, you know, Freddie's gone uh, after this season, they bring in the next guy and that, that's the guy who Dorsey is taking his claim on. And that's the guy who's going to determine if Dorsey's here long-term or not. Another interesting article that dropped uh, in the last couple of days is by Bill Barnwell of ESPN. He ranked the nine potential head coaching openings across the NFL, and the Browns are one of those teams. He has them ranked fifth um, behind the Dallas Cowboys, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Detroit Lions in that order. And he states that the biggest strength of the Browns team is their young talent, but he does say that their biggest weakness is the ownership, which is fair enough because if they were to make a coaching change, this will be the fifth uh, head coach that the Haslam's will be looking to hire since taking over the organization in 2012. Anthony, when you look at that ranking, and that was in order, Dallas, Carolina, Atlanta, Detroit, do you see the Browns being a better opening than any of those four or all of the four? Um, they're they're – at least to me, they're uh, a better situation than uh, Carolina, Atlanta, Detroit. I, I, I would the situation between them and Dallas is pretty close. Uh, you know, you could make an argument that the ownership is just as bad in Dallas, but uh, I think with how Dallas's roster is constructed, uh, they're certainly the best opportunity. But Carolina. Uh, they're looking to trade Cam Newton. So that means Kyle Allen or another quarterback is going to be in there next year. And, um, you know, that's still unproven at this point. Uh, Atlanta, they've had so many issues. Um, you know, Matt Ryan uh, hasn't looked the best. The, the defense has really struggled. So there's a lot of roster holes there. Detroit, I mean, really, uh, you know, they have Matt Stafford, who's continuously gotten killed up there. Uh, the, the defense isn't great as well. So, you know, I, at least when I'm looking at this, it, it's Dallas one, Cleveland two, and, and then and every other team uh, in terms of head coaching rankings. Yeah, I would put Dallas number one. I would actually put Atlanta two. As bad as the roster can be, Eric looks right now, they obviously still have Matt Ryan, who – is still in the top 16 NFL quarterback, maybe even top 10, depending on how you look at it. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to open some things up on the roster, and they'll be able to do that. You know, the, you cut Alex Mack, you cut some of these other players that are you're going to be able to move off the cap. Yeah, it'll hurt their roster for the short term, but then Thomas Dimitrov has proven that you can build through the draft, and there's a reason why he's been the GM there for almost a decade. He knows how to find talent. It's just he needs to construct his roster with the salary cap a little better. But I would definitely put them ahead of Cleveland just because uh, Arthur Blank, yeah, the owner there, 
uh, he he shows continuity. You know, he has he 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 picks his head coach and he sticks with him for the most part for at least four or five years, trying to make sure it works. Uh, you know, the Haslam's haven't shown that. And I think that's kind of one of the big things that holds Cleveland back is the ownership, not hiring the right people. And then, you know, displaying continuity. The only time they did was with Hugh Jackson. And that was a joke. Um, well, and, and I, yeah, I was, was going to add very quickly, you know, between the, the Browns and the Cowboys, it's almost like the exact opposite with ownership, right? You know, they've hung on to Jason Garrett so long without getting results. But the, the, the Browns change every one or two years, it seems like, hey, coaches, it's just like the, the absolute uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our final topic before we break into the game preview, uh, this is actually a good one. You know, uh, they're starting to announce the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees among the 32 NFL teams. And the Cleveland Browns have chosen Jarvis Landry, uh, to be their uh, team's uh, award winner. He'll obviously be up for the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year if he does get enough votes. So if you do see on Twitter where it tells you to retweet to vote him, obviously go and do it. Um, this is one of the biggest honors that an NFL player can get for both on the field and off the field recognition. And I couldn't think of uh, one of the better Cleveland Browns to get this award than Jarvis Landry. Obviously, on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, you know, and off the field, you know, he's a great leader. You know, he displays great character, great sportsmanship, um, does a lot for the community. And I think he would be one of the best uh, individuals to receive this award if he does end up receiving the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year in February during Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, when I went to Chicago a few months ago, uh, I visited uh, Soldier Field and uh, took a part of a tour there. I, we, we talked about it a little bit back then, but, you know, they gave a great breakdown of the things that Walter Payton was able to do for his community and, and for that Chicago Bears team. And uh, that's why this is such a great award. Uh, you know, it, it is a big honor to be named. Uh, your team's Walter Payton Man of the Year. It's an even bigger honor to win the award for uh, the entire NFL. So just to be nominated is a really big deal. And props to Jarvis for uh, doing everything that he's done for his community and for the Cleveland Browns organization in, in such a positive manner. You know, you don't, you don't hear uh, about these things as much as you should, especially with all the other uh, nonsense that's gone on with this team. But the, the things that this team does in the community and that being uh, head up by Jarvis it, it is awesome to see the organization giving back. And, you know, I, I think it, it started earlier this year when, um, and they do it every year, but uh, this year the, the Haslam's gave a bunch of money to Cleveland music programs. Uh, you know, you've seen Jarvis do stuff, uh, Miles Garrett does stuff in the community too. So uh, they, they really, um, have a nice focus of helping out the community of Cleveland and for Jarvis to get this award is pretty awesome. The, the one, the one that I kind of laughed at Jack was, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you saw who the Pittsburgh Steelers nominee, but they nominated Marquise Pouncey. Oh, oh, you mean the guy that was kicking and punching a uh, player on the field, the guy that's been linked to Aaron Hernandez. Um, yeah. What a great role model uh, Marquise Pouncey is. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, that's just unbelievable. I mean, he he could do as much as he wants for the community, and, and it's a good look by him, and kudos to him. But his track record speaks for itself. Uh, I don't think he's going to be one of the finalists for that award. And uh, and for the record, if that incident didn't happen with Miles Garrett, I guarantee you Miles gets that award. Quite possibly, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, Jarvis Jarvis is definitely up for the honor as well. So I mean we'll see though. I mean it's maybe my maybe Miles gets it next year. We'll see. Um yeah, let's let's jump into the uh preview for the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, uh this is the Browns' next opponent. This has been I think a game that a lot of people uh had circled on their calendar when the schedule was released back in April because of the storylines. Obviously, Kyler Murray versus Baker. Uh, you know, Steve Wilkes making his return and Freddie Kitchens as well to Arizona. Both were either a head coach or an assistant coach there at one time. Uh, Baker versus Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, everybody knows that story, although that storyline kind of got uh, washed away uh, on Wednesday when, you know, Kingsbury said that he should have handled Baker uh, differently at Texas Tech. And Baker obviously said that you know, the fences have been mended. Uh, Anthony, are, how it, pumped are you for this game with some of the storylines uh heading into sunday yeah you know there's there's a lot going on this weekend you know it's been another week of um you know sideshow stuff and uh you know going into sunday against cliff kingsbury you obviously have the big baker and um storyline with him um but you have kyler murray on the other side and there's two consecutive Heisman Trophy winners from the University of Oklahoma, and I, I think it's going to be a great matchup to see these two guys, uh, who obviously Murray was behind for for a year, and see these two guys go at it. I think you're going to get really good games from both quarterbacks, and it's definitely going to be exciting to watch on Sunday. When you look at Kyler Murray. Uh how do you think his rookie season has gone? I mean, obviously he's putting up some pretty good numbers for uh, a rookie quarterback. You know, he's completed 64% of his passes has over 3000 passing yards, a uh, good, decent touchdown to interception ratio. And obviously what he's able to do on the ground with over almost 450 rushing yards and uh, a few touchdown runs. I mean, he's definitely having a solid rookie season. He really is, you know, six, completing 64% of his passes, um, you know, 3,000 passing yards, like you mentioned, almost 500 rushing yards. Uh, you know, they, their offense is uh, really fun to watch, uh, you know, how quickly they snap the football. Uh, I, they definitely have something uh, in that offense. There's just uh, a lot of things that they need to, to do to surround uh, Kyler Murray and that offense uh, with talent, um, you know, they do have great receivers, you know, Christian Kirk's really good. Um, obviously Larry Fitzgerald is still rocking after so many years in the NFL, but uh, the offensive line has been terrible. They've been sacked 46 times this year. Uh, that's, that, that's like the Browns. That, that's really what's holding them back. You know, if they can address the offensive line, uh, get some athletes in there uh, that can go with the type of offense Arizona wants to run which is really fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I've seen a couple of their games this year, and even the, the one against Pittsburgh on uh, Sunday was really fun to watch. So uh, there, there's definitely talent there, and it's not going to be easy, but 
uh, as if the Browns can get home and force some pressure on Kyler Murray, uh, it, it should go well for him. But obviously he has the capability and you've seen the Browns struggle with guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, um, uh, I can't think of the guy for Denver uh, at this moment, but Brandon, uh, Allen. Brandon Allen, you know, they struggled containing those two guys. So, uh, they might have a really hard time on Sunday containing somebody like Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, the ability he has, you know, watching him against Pittsburgh, you know, he tried to escape and make some runs and extend plays with his legs, but, you know, Pittsburgh was game-planned him well and was able to clamp down on him. Uh, You know, sometimes he gets a little careless with the football, but he's a rookie. He'll definitely learn from that. He's trying to make plays. Um, You you mentioned the offensive line and it's amazing that he's been able to play for a guy, his size. He hasn't missed any uh, snaps. He's played every game. Uh, he, they definitely need to address the offensive line this off season. That was one of their big holes coming into the season. And they're going to be a team that I think the Browns will be keeping an eye on through the draft process, because right now they sit sixth in the draft order. We're 17th. Uh, and they're going to be a team that could be in the offensive tackle market. Uh, I'm looking at a mock right now that has them taking Jerry Judy, which would be a great get for them and a great target for Kyler. But, you know, when you got Andrew Thomas up there, Tristan Wirfs, and I'm actually talking draft people, so uh, rec- make sure you're marking this down that I'm talking draft. I, 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 th- I think that's two podcasts in a row, which is scary. I, I think it is, actually. But, um, I mean, if you got those guys on the board at six uh, – if even regardless of their need for a wide receiver, um, they have to look at these offensive tackles because you have Kyler Murray. He's displaying the ability to be a franchise quarterback while you do need the weapons. And hopefully Arizona's looking at what John Dorsey did wrong. You have to address the trenches and especially up front in that offensive line, because if you want Kyler to be the next quarterback or the Cardinals quarterback for the next 10 to 12 years, you got to make sure he's protected. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like you said, Dorsey needs to do the same this offseason. It, it's been the, the biggest problem. And if they're able, if both teams are able to figure this out, uh, both offenses are, can be extremely lethal as long as they can protect a quarterback. Absolutely. But you look at the skill talent around Kyler Murray. I look at it and I, and I see the talent there. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald, we you keep thinking this is going to be his last season, but you never know. He could come back for another one. He's having a semi-productive season, but for a 36-year-old receiver, I mean, you're going to get as good as you can get with him. But you have Christian Kirk there. You got some talented runners, although David Johnson can't stay healthy, and I don't know how much you can depend on Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake being long-term fits at that position. And then at the receiver position, you know, they have Andy Isabella, who they aren't using much. Uh, They have uh, Keyshawn Johnson, not the Keyshawn Johnson, obviously another one. They got Charles Clay at tight end. I mean, they have skill players around them. Obviously, they're going to uh, look for some younger pieces, although Kirk and Isabella could be part of the foundation moving forward. Uh, The cupboard's not bare in Arizona for skill players around uh, Kyler Murray. No, it's not. And like I said, it, it's really fun to watch when this offense really gets going. And when, when it does, and, and you know, they're uh, up to the ball 20 seconds and, and snap the ball quickly uh, in their no-huddle offense that they run, 
and going younger is definitely the way that they're going to be going. So um, there's talent there. Like I said earlier, it's just a matter of protecting and blocking it correctly to make it lethal. As we flip over to the defensive side of the ball now, there is a ton of recognizable names on this defensive side. But when you look at their numbers this year, their defense is one of the worst in the National Football League. They're giving up almost 30 points a game. Uh, they're ranked 30th in the league in that department. They're giving up over 400 yards of offense per game. I mean, this is not a very good defense. But like I said, there's names on that side of the ball. Chandler Jones, Terrell Suggs, Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker, Byron Murphy. Like, these are recognizable names. Diehard football fans would know these guys. Uh, even Hassan Reddick, Jordan Hicks, who have been guys that Arizona has drafted. But they're just struggling on that side of the ball. And it's kind of hard to believe when you see the names on that side of the ball. Yeah, you know, they, they've really struggled. You know, the past defense has given up over 4,000 yards, 32 passing touchdowns uh, in the games that they've played. So, you know, the, the defense has really struggled. And, and when, uh, it, it just must be a, a schematical thing because there, there are uh, some really good players there. I, I know their defensive coordinator is Vance Joseph. And, um, you know, he's done a decent job in, in previous positions. But, you uh, you know, this defense just hasn't been able to put it together yet with uh, some of these guys, you know, the talent that they do have. Like you mentioned, Patrick Peterson is really good. Buda Baker has been uh, good in his first couple seasons there. But when you have two rookies uh, starting in your secondary with Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy, uh, you know, the, things can be a struggle. And um, that's where they've struggled the most is in that secondary and that pass defense. The one thing they don't struggle in is the pass rush. They got 33 sacks this year as a team. And, of course, they're led by Chandler Jones, who uh, is heading towards an all-pro season. Maybe he'll get recognition for Defensive Player of the Year with 14 sacks and six forced fumbles. And, of course, Terrell Suggs, who ever since he got drafted by Baltimore 15 or so years ago, has always been a thorn in the Brown side. Um, I just hope that uh, Greg Robinson, and whether it's uh, – Chris Hubbard or Kendall Lamb, that they are ready to go and that, you know, Todd Munkin and Freddie Kitchens have a solid game plan to limit the pass rush by uh, Jones and Suggs on Sunday. Yeah, you know, those two guys are, are really good. You know, Suggs has been doing it so good for so long. So, uh, you know, they, those tackles got their work cut out for them again this week. You know, every, every week it seems like they're going up against a, a really good pass rushing team. Um, you know, with the exception probably Cincinnati last week. But, um, you know, the, these tackles have obviously struggled. So if they can just hold their own for a little bit and, and only give up a couple sacks uh, and, and limit the, the pressure that they get on Baker Mayfield, th this offense should uh, roll over that defense pretty well on Sunday. Yeah, we mentioned the pass defense, and, like, the one number that uh, stuck out to me was through pro football reference. Uh, Byron Murphy, who was their second-round pick this year out of Washington, was a guy that I liked coming out of the draft. Um, he has been targeted 92 times. He's given up 70.7 .7 completion percentage and eight touchdowns to only one interception and a QB rating of 115.0. And, it, and it's not just him. You look at the numbers. Patrick Peterson's giving up a 122.2 .2 QB rating. 
Buda Baker, 124. I mean, there is no reason why Baker Mayfield and the Browns passing attack can't put up 300, maybe even 400 yards against this pass, uh, secondary, this pass defense, even the linebackers like Hassan Reddick has struggled. Jordan Hicks has struggled. I mean, with all the weapons we have on the offensive side of the ball, like the Browns passing attack should totally feast on this secondary come Sunday afternoon. It, it should. And so should the running game. You know, they've given up uh, an average of 120 yards on the ground too. So th- this defense uh, is going to struggle on Sunday and this Browns offense should, and, and the keyword is should, perform well but you know there's things obviously you can't account for you can't account for turnovers and stuff like that so you know the Browns have to be smart not turn the football over um, and that falls mostly on Baker Mayfield um, you know this offense you know has looked good at times this year and uh, it's been the the biggest contention point of the entire season um, when this offense looks good it's really good but when they struggle when they, you know, have those quick three and outs, or they turn the football over, or they commit way too many penalties, it, 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 it's frustrating, and it, it just it's the opposite of what this what this team is able to do. So, uh, when they go in there on Sunday, they have to protect the football, have to keep the penalties at a minimum, and look, they they should have a very successful offensive day uh, against this team, and I, I think one of the uh, bigger problems is for that defense is because their offense runs so many plays uh, so quickly, the defense is out there a lot. And maybe they need to find a, a better balance of uh, running the no huddle offense and running the offense as fast as they do, uh, along with being able to preserve their defense and preserve um, the freshness of those guys late in the fourth quarter or even, you know, late in the third quarter uh, in terms of energy, when you run a type of offense like that for 60 minutes and maybe you know, the time of possession is 25 minutes to 35 minutes for a game, that that's not going to work out well for you for the majority of the season. Yeah, I mean, if there's one guy that they should try to avoid to a degree, Jordan Hicks, he's had three interceptions this year. Um, you know, so while the tight ends, you know, David Njoku, Steven Carlson, Ricky Seals Jones, whoever's out there, you know, they should go after Hassan Reddick, but don't try to pick on Jordan Hicks because he has proven like you pick on him one too many times, he will bite you. But yeah, I mean, they're as long as they limit the turnovers, if they could contain Suggs and Chandler Jones on the pass rush and then on the offensive side they can limit Kyler Murray's mobility uh Mac Wilson I'm kind of talking to you right there because uh Schobert will probably be covering the middle of the field so Mac Wilson will be looking to contain Kyler if they can do those things there's no reason why the Browns can't shouldn't and can't win the, lose this game and to, to drive home my point about time possession and why the defense for Arizona has really struggled they are dead last in the league in time of possession uh, in terms of offense this season with 26 minutes and 57 seconds all right Anthony uh, with that go ahead and make your prediction for Sunday's game Uh, like I said earlier uh, this this Browns team should be able to control the majority of this game 
uh, especially on offense. And uh, I'm pretty certain that they're going to win this one. And I have the final score being 27-24 Cleveland. And I also will pick the Cleveland Browns to win this game. I'm going to go 28-24. I just think, like, as long as we can hit that 20 – 21 to 24 points offensively that, that we should definitely be able to stop Arizona's offense for sure. Um, I mean, it's hard saying just because, you know, Kyler Murray is so dynamic that, I mean, if he breaks a run, you know, the, you see that they haven't been able to contain these mobile quarterbacks, whether it was, you know, Brandon Allen, like you said, Ryan or not. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, although you would never thought he would be a mobile quarterback, but yet, he was able to do it against our defense. Uh, this is a game the Browns should win. And if they don't win it, and obviously, you know, the noise we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, it's only going to get louder and it's only going to frustrate Haslam even more. Uh, and it's going to make Dorsey's seat a little hot as well. Yeah. yeah th- if this game gets ugly, it could be uh, a, a very not fun Monday or, or even Sunday night for uh, that front office and the coaching staff. All right, Anthony, as we get on out of here, is there anything else you want to discuss? Nope, that should do it. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Jokey. That's J-O-K-I. You can follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. Uh, check out our site. The Dogland. It's either at thedogland.com or dog.land. And follow that on Twitter at the Dogland. And as we get on out of here, we'll be back either Sunday night or sometime Monday to recap this game. Uh, and as always, as we get on out of here, go Browns. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.